Craig's here too. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast. I'm your host, Justin. I'm Aaron. Welcome back, everyone. What's going on, dude? Good to see you. How's your week been? Uh, week's been okay. I've been bouncing around to different locations at work. Uh, had to stay late today, but I rewarded myself with Taco Bell, so it was worth it. Now, what do you get at Taco Bell when you go? So, um, there are two things particularly that I like there, like more than all others. And okay. one, so my, my go-to is a Crunchwrap Supreme. Hell yeah. With a soft taco on the side. Have you ever had my Crunchwrap Supreme? I don't think so. Like a homemade one? Oh yeah. I have not. You're, you're coming by this weekend, right? Yeah, but it's you're just dropping be... in. You're just like snatching and going, taking my money and going. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Because I'll, I'll also have already eaten for Easter lunch at my uh, familia's. So, okay. Well, when you want your life changed, come see me in the kitchen. I'll, I'll fix you up. But anyway, you go for a Crunchwrap Supreme. Crunchwrap Supreme, get a soft yeah. taco instead of a crunchy taco because I need that malleability. I'm not good with crunchy taco shells. They just fall apart too easily and I'm a mess. So I try and keep it a little less messy if possible. Then my backup option, if I'm not feeling a Crunchwrap Supreme, is a uh, steak chalupa meal. Because chalupas are just phenomenal. Right. That sounds pretty so, good. It doesn't sound too healthy, but it sounds pretty good. I don't know. I I felt pretty, pretty big and strong after eating that. But it may have been mixing a little vodka into the slushy Baja Blast that I got. So here, here. <laughs> that definitely didn't hurt. Um, but how are you, man? How's your week been? I'm doing okay. I don't have um I don't have too much in the way of like storytelling or any um any funny things to start the week off with. Uh, okay. I'm 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 ashamed to say. Just been spending your week thinking about being a turret in a past life. Yes. No, I like right before right before we went live and I was going to just like hit the record button on him, but I decided not to. But to anybody listening, I was describing to him how when. In in a lot of things in my life and currently right now, I'm like I'm locked in. So I was telling him not locked in like mentally. I, I am. As you can see, I'm very focused, but I was telling him that I believe that I used to be a turret in another life because my my knees are like braced against my desk my feet are like wrapped around the little legs and i'm just like you know i'm not i'm not going anywhere you know somebody like a linebacker could hit me and i just like you know i'm just right here i'm in i'm in the pocket and i've always enjoyed like being in the pocket like if i can lock myself in and feel like really secure i don't like loose limbs i'm like a roller coaster sign keep everything tight Tight inside the in the vehicle, no hands or feet outside the vehicle. Big fan of seatbelts. Big fan. Of, well, I don't wear seatbelts at all, but that's the delivery driver in me. I'm in and out too much. I don't want to click that bullshit. Fair, but you gotta be safe, man. So I am safe. I quit smoking. Fair. No more uh, lung cancer for me. 
That's definitely a plus. <laughs> That's kind of my out for everything is like, well, I've done that. I can do this. Oh, oh well, I, I, I did that. I can easily do this. That's fine. It's my excuse for everything. Well, it's not a bad way to uh, justify things. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not the best okay. way. <laughs> I have two things that I would like to start off with. All right. A little bit of housekeeping. A, bonus episode number one, live on YouTube, Bahrain coverage during the race. Get all the hot takes live as it happened with me and Aaron. I think we're going to be working on some things for the future, maybe to improve those streams a little bit. But we originally said that it was going to be a bonus episode. But during the cast, we decided, hey, this is pretty fun. We're watching the race anyway on a Sunday. Why not do it together? So, barring any scheduling conflicts, anything going on, hopefully on Sundays, we will be live with the tall and short of it race companion for the F1 races on Sunday. Yep. So, anyone who, uh, who wants to go back, you can pull up the... Uh, the race and pull us up in the background, get us matched up. We, uh, we start, um, I'll have to see if I can add it to the description somehow. I couldn't figure out timestamps cause I'm a YouTube amateur, but I'm pretty sure we turned it on during the formation lap. Yeah, it was two minutes and 43 seconds. I think at for race start. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. I I went back and tracked where it was, but I couldn't figure out how to put the timestamp in. So gotcha. 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 Okay, well, that's cool. So that's the first thing a look for on Sundays and we're uploading same day. Yep. So look for that race companion same day. And also this is not this is for the magic fans. So this is a little spoiler. We'll get to it later in the episode. We were playing some magic last night. We were playing on spell table and we've got three games in now, two of which were, I would say casual games, but the third one, uh, one of our players, Brett said, Hey, look, I got to get going. I got to get to bed. So we were like, Oh, let's like try and get like a quick game in. So what does everybody do? They, they, they pull out their their strong decks. So one might say we got a little bit of a preseason game in last night, even though we didn't do the whole pick and ban thing. Everybody grabbed like powerful decks, right? And I would just like to mention that N- Najila won that game. Very nice. We'll get there later in the episode, but I say all of that to say... I think magic is coming back. Brett said that after Easter, he's going to be down for in-person games, which means Commander 9 is back, baby. I'm excited to, Ho- to get Hopefully some after Easter. I'm excited to hear more about the games, see how the, uh, the meta kind of chi- shifts and changes. So, very yeah, cool. It should, yeah, it should be interesting. But... Where would you like to start here this evening, Aaron? Uh, well, I think we've got a decent bit of recap for the Bahrain Grand Prix. Obviously, we had the uh, the bonus episode with the watch through, but uh, now that we've had a couple of days to uh, sit on it, 
read up on a few interesting topics uh, that kind of pertain to the race. Um, I'm a little, little less sad with, uh, with how it ended. Right. (laughs) Well, there was no way, there was no way they were going to let that race end having somebody or multiple people having broken the rules. Um, it was clear it was a bit of a, maybe un, maybe a poorly explained scenario during the cast. Uh, I think they didn't even realize it. Right. That it was like being so poorly handled. And I'm honestly really disappointed with the FIA race director um, from the decisions they made and mm. reading up afterwards. So, but first uh, to get into it, we had uh, Max sitting on pole position to start the race. Uh, Lewis in second. Um, his qualifier, he was about four uh, tenths of a second back. And then uh, it was a, a hard-fought race. We had some DNFs, but Lewis uh, did come out on top for Mercedes. So he brought home the victory. Um, and a lot of interesting uh, things to look at going through. So were there any any specific drivers that you were interested in kind of mentioning going over their races and whatnot? Well, my prediction was wrong. Obviously, Yuki was not um, on podium. That's okay. But if you tracked his race, I would say he drove quite well for the Alpha Tauri team. Um, so I was impressed with Yuki. He didn't he didn't live up to my standards, obviously. You know, the uh, the podium wasn't achieved, but that's okay. Um, the, well, well, uh, sad day for the Haas team. Yeah. Uh, real sad day for the Haas team. And who else was it? Fernando Alonso got a DNF as well. So we um, had uh, Gasly, Latifi, Alonso, and Mazepin, who right. all, uh, did not finish the race. And... Uh, Mazepin made it three turns into the race before he was out. Right. Well, and um, now um, remind me, he that wasn't like really precipitated by anything. He just like spun out, right? Lost control of the back end of the car on the car. Gotcha. Uh, I think he had a couple wheels on the curb um, and just spun out and mm. into the wall. Um, I mean, and he was good. He was safe. So like no injuries or anything, but, uh, uh, there was a lot of, um, humorous tweets about it that I saw calling him, uh, Maza spin. Oh, um, right in there, right in the pocket. That's so funny. Talking about how he completed more, um, formation laps than he has F1 laps in his career now. Heck yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a nice little accolade. Yeah, so there were there were quite a few people that were eager to jump on uh, on making fun of him, which can't blame him. But yeah, really rough for him. Uh, Fernando Alonso, his car, he seemed to be doing fine for a decent bit of the, the race, but then he ended up uh, not sure exactly what happened, um, but ended up having some car trouble, uh, bringing it into the pits and then retiring. Um, and then Latifi and Gasly also, they made it pretty deep into the race before uh, they retired as well. They made it, Latifi made it 51 laps and Gasly made it 52 out of 56 before retiring. Right. So I'm not yeah. really sure what 
happened with those two. Well, so. because at that point they were covering the Max and Lewis fight and nothing else mattered at that point. Right. They were just tracking literally every every minute of their race. Um I'd like to talk about Fernando a little bit. Um rookie season. He <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll I'll stop with that joke. It, uh, it takes I away from like serious commentary. I still think it's funny. It makes me chuckle every time. But re- regardless, like I would hate to see and hopefully this was just a one-off, but my thing is like, hopefully this isn't uh, an indicator of what the season will be for the Alpine and like Alpine Renault squad with mm. Fernando. Cause like, w- w- what is that? Like you come out of retirement just to hop into this like subpar car, like a DNF, like how many, how many of them are going to be vehicle precipitated DNFs where he's actually a pretty strong racer, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He looked really good um, early on in the race. He was really in a, a solid fight around that 11, 12, 13 position. Right. Um, I was, I was pretty impressed with how he was driving and moving around, but the, the Alpine Renault car just doesn't seem to quite have, what they had towards the end of the season last year with Ricardo in it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they just haven't quite picked up on um, everything as quickly here at the start. So hopefully as they progress, get better with their like car um, setup and everything for the different layouts and whatnot, we'll get to see him perform well. Cause it, it's definitely tough seeing a former world champion just kind of have those issues with the car and, mm-hmm. and kind of struggle. Um, similarly to Vettel, I was, I was, I'm rooting for him. Like, I know there are some people out there that don't like Seb. I was a little disappointed with how he handled uh, when he hit Ocon during the race, but he is a former world champion. I want to see him be able to compete and kind of show that he's still got it. And he just seemed to kind of struggle and not be able to really put it together this race either. So two Vettel's compliment. He did during that little incident, what they tell us you should do when getting into an accident yourself just immediately put blame on the other guy and never say sorry because that's admitting fault. Yep. <laughs> he, he did exactly that immediately. So shout out to him. He knew exactly what to do. He he shirked all responsibility. He's like, who the fuck is this guy? Get him off the track. Yeah. And as he clearly <laughs> just like, you know, bam. Yeah, he's like, Oh, he was moving. Why did he move so late in the breaking zone? And right. Ocon was just straight line. He, he, he stayed time. in the same place. Yeah. So um, that was so that was hilarious. But yeah, shout out to him for um, you know, just sticking <laughs> to his guns and just calling him out immediately. That was hilarious. Yeah, but the uh, the Aston Martin car itself really didn't impress me so much. I mean, Stroll nah, Lance was doing tank. good. He finished tenth though. I mean, he was his in the quality was really good though. Didn't he qualify seventh? Um, I think so. Yeah, 
So, you know, he he finished poorly. He's not the best driver in the world. No wonder he lost places. But I think overall, the Aston Martin is capable, is is going to be capable of taking some boards off of the best of the rest squads. He started 10th, finished 10th. So he didn't like lose anything. Oh, fuck. Who? Okay. Then I got the top of the grid messed up. That's my bad. My points are valid. No, no worries. But I mean, it it doesn't mean it's a bad car or anything. It's just not as good as the pink Mercedes was. Like they were they were cruising uh, and immediately at the top last year, competing for for podiums. Um, whether slightly unfairly, but nonetheless, they were competing a bit more than tenth and fifteenth on the grid. Um, I was happy to see also the the Ferrari team uh, brought it back. They looked good overall, uh, mm. at least much better than uh, they did last year, which was yeah. a pleasant surprise for me. So yeah, they were up in the they were competing for the top of the board, which was impressive. Not just one of them, both of them were. And also to that point, uh, we noted during the race. Check out the bonus episode. Um, there were a bunch of constructors in like the top seven or eight, uh, Mm. for most of the race with both of their drivers up there. Um, so if that is indicative of, and obviously this is just the first race. So we're like, you know, half speculating, kind of going off what we've seen, what we know to the drivers a little bit. Um, but it was good to see that the drivers were so close in the vehicles that they have this season, mm-hmm. right? That they were Definitely. so close on the board. Yeah. Which is really solid. Cause I think that shows that maybe the, the teams have good lineups or there's not as much disparity between like first and second drivers and whatnot. Right. Um, right. so that could lead to some cool competitions, interesting stuff later on. Um, I am always a fan of watching teammates race each other. Yeah. Uh really hard. Um, which has obviously led it's led to Red Bulls hitting each other in the past. It's led to Ferraris hitting each other in the past. It's mm-hmm. led to Mercedes hitting each other in the past. So it's it adds some excitement that they're also racing each other. Um but they're, they're racing each other most of all. Yeah, but there doesn't seem to be any teams that have like any um negative feelings necessarily between drivers, which has happened in previous seasons that have kind of pushed towards those breaking points. Right. But, um, but it's still so early. You never know what we could see. Um, but yeah, I guess who were your, give me three standout drivers from, uh, from the race that you, I guess would, would say you're like drivers of the day. Uh, top three. Max. Leclerc, Yuki. I think for me, I have to go. Well, Yuki's definitely on mine. Um, Lando and then Sergio, I think, were. I, I forget what I said towards the end of the race, but because I had named three, I think it was those three. But Lando started P7, finished P4. So really love it for uh, McLaren and for Lando. Right. Um, Perez had the, and we didn't even mention that, an extremely interesting uh, start where 
the car was having trouble during the formation lap, uh, ended up having to start from the pit lane. Um, which I'd never seen before. So that was interesting. It typically happens with like, there are certain regulations that if you, I think it's like, if you change a gearbox between qualifying and the race, it's like, you can either have to start from the pits or there's like place penalties. There's like some different weird things that'll cause it, but it's not very common for sure. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, him racing from essentially starting last on the grid, uh, finishing fifth, uh, was awesome. And then Yuki finishing in the points, he got two points for the Alpha Tauri in his first race. He looked really good and competitive. He made some really slick moves, um, passing people throughout the race. Mm-hmm. So overall, I think, uh, yeah, uh, I'm excited to see him continue to to drive. He's fun to watch. And comparing him to the other rookies as well, like Mazza spin and then Schumacher was just at the back, right? Yeah. So having a, I feel bad blaming Schumacher for the, the shitty Haas car, but, uh, but yeah, he, he was at the back. He's, he's not, not there. So. That's why, that's why I think Yuki's so impressive because he's doing what the other rookies can't right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. And he's he's got a better car than the other two right now, but he's also like he's outperforming some of the uh like longest standing drivers on the track too. He's, right. I mean he beat out Kimi Raikkonen, beat out Seb Vettel, um was up there racing uh not too far behind that um five through seven kind of range. He I think if AlphaTauri puts it together a little bit more, gets him set up and he gets more comfortable, he could be competing for those like six, seven, eight spots uh, at different races throughout the season. So. Yeah. Yeah. My prediction for next race is Yuki Sonoda qualifying um, at least first or second row. Okay. Yeah. I would love to see it. He's, he's put out solid performances and he i mean he also looked really good in qualifying too like mm-hmm. he he looked really solid um he only got to to p13 for the start but his q1 times were like really really good and he really wasn't that far out during q2 right so. well didn't he do the um he did the uh medium gamble he did he he would have made it to q3 if he would have been comfortable starting on the reds yeah, and you saw a few people do it, but it was um it was a tough spot to be in. Yeah, that, yeah, it so. was it was tough. Didn't work out for him. It was a it was a risky move. So that's for um, sure. Was that yeah. a good answer for you, Coach? It was a good answer. <laughs> nice. All right. Cool. Um. But yeah. So, so go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, I was gonna. So, move forward into constructor uh, standing so it's uh do you still have more from the race other than the way things ended um to get into no what i wanted to ask you is did you enjoy the way that we watched it because previously you know you had your own way of watching f1 
but then you know we added this whole thing you know with the with the camera and the mic on and you know me and sarah over there like we were we we're you know kind of watching as a pod so how did like just how did you enjoy that you know that bonus up setting it was good it was a little different i don't know if i would want to do it for every race i would sure. be fine watching together for every race but not necessarily doing a bonus episode for everyone uh no no shade to the people who would want to enjoy that but um i'm usually a bit more laid back as i'm watching and ah sure just kind you don't of, want to be like on for every single race yeah and so sure. we, like we had a couple of those times where we were just like zoned in on the race that we realized that no one had talked for like 20 seconds and we're like sorry for the dead air yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah yeah um and so like i don't mind having those moments sometimes when i'm watching and just like being able to listen to to the race um uh like commentary and and what they're talking about and whatnot um i enjoy that too right because it also lets me learn a little bit more and become more knowledgeable instead of us like talking and discussing through the right right we're not learning anything we're just like you know we're just chatting about what we all what we're already informed about and applying it to that race there's nothing coming in yeah gotcha okay cool So, so maybe not everyone that's fair yeah, but I mean, I still enjoyed it. It was cool. I liked having Sarah. I wouldn't mind having her get a, a microphone and hop in Discord and chat as we're going if she would want to. Oh, dude, um, she would be uh she would be a giggling mess. I, I think I, it, I've asked her a couple of times. I think it'll happen, and yeah. and and eventually, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it'll I happen. think it would be cool too because uh, she's even newer to F one than both you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're both relatively new anyway. So I think we could have some interesting conversations about things that maybe, uh, stick out to her that don't stick out to us during the race or curiosity she has. I think it would be, uh, fun to have some of that input a little bit too. So, yeah, I agree. Comment, um, comment Sarah pod in the comments if you want to you know if you want the uh first guest appearance to be to be sarah um yeah i agree i think that'd be fun comment sarah pod down yeah. below so i think that would be cool um but it was it was definitely fun watching in that format too um i like watching with people and i mentioned it to you i think during the episode but i'm so used to anytime i've watched f1 with people they aren't f1 fans and they just kind of make fun of it they're like, oh, Mercedes is just going to win because they have the better car. And I'm like, oh, well, the Patriots are going to win the football game because they have the better team. Like, right, like, right. Like, the things are never in sports are never on an even playing ground. And that's the responsibility of the team to try and make a better car than the other teams in F1. Um but they don't quite understand it. I think they look at racing and they are like, just as the driver, it should be, should just be competitive based on who's the best driver, not who's mm-hmm. the best car. And I don't know. I, I don't necessarily agree. Cause I think the teams put a, a ton of work into those cars to get them where they're at. Some teams are just better at it than others. Right. So that's life. 
That Usain, is life. Usain Bolt has longer legs than everyone and knows how to make them go faster than everyone else. Like just born with a better weapon. Just, yeah. Some drivers just end up with better cars. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was nice to have people who are also interested in the race and not just kind of sitting there like, all right, when's this over? <laughs> oh no, no. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a whole bundle of fun. That was exciting. Well, that's why I was, you know, just saying like every race will do it. And you're over here like, well, no, I, I still do want to do it for, for some of the races. Just sure. not, not necessarily every race. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. That's perfectly fine. But we'll, we'll work it out. We'll, uh, we'll keep everyone posted on when we're going to be doing those bonus episodes, kind of work it out and all. Um, and yeah, hopefully have some, if I can figure out some additional graphics and whatnot that we can uh, put in, that would yeah. be cool as well. I think that'd be helpful. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how we would do that, but I can look into it, see what we can figure out. Okay, so, nice. Yeah. Um, but with the race finishing, we have our, our updated constructor standings for after race one. Uh, Mercedes up top getting first and third. Uh, Valtteri getting the fastest lap there at the end. Yep. Slapped um, on the reds. Yeah. Not too far behind is Red Bull. They're only 13 points back, which is a pretty easy flip. I mean, that's if they go 1-3 and Mercedes goes 2-4, that's practically that many points anyway um, mm -hmm. in terms of difference. So very, very catchable, uh, obviously, with being the first race of the season. Uh, McLaren third, Ferrari fourth, Alpha Tauri fifth. Austin Martin sixth, and then the rest of the teams are tied at seventh with zero points. Zero points. So, uh, so that's how things shook out for the first race. But now I want to talk more about the Max and Lewis battle at the end of the race and kind of what happened and, and thoughts on it. So okay. Uh, so for anyone who who hasn't watched the race, who hasn't gone back and watched the the bonus episode. Um, Lewis and Max were on different tire strategies. Lewis pitted early, uh, to get what, uh, they call an undercut, which your goal is to, uh, pit before the other team does and allow your driver to get some fast laps in on fresh tires to try and make up the gap. So Max was in first, Lewis was in second. Um, they tried to get Lewis out ahead of Max uh, so that by the time Max pitted, he would end up behind Lewis. So it worked for a bit. Lewis got back to the lead, but then it ended up working out so that uh, Max was trying to make a comeback at the end of the race. And with about four laps to go, Max made a sweeping uh, pass on the outside of turn four went off the the track um, when he was part way ahead of Lewis. So his car was uh, the front of his car was ahead of Lewis by probably about a third of a car length. Um, and then he had to give the position back because he was unable or because he passed or completed his pass by going off the track. Right. Uh, and then was not able to uh, 
to get any more of a lead back. So ended up finishing about half a second behind Lewis at the end of the race. All right. So now you mentioned the, you mentioned the track number that he slid off on, not track number, turn number that he slid, went off, off limits. Now, what was so, what was so hairy about turn four? So turn four was a, an issue for a lot of the drivers throughout qualifying throughout uh, practices where they were struggling to stay on track uh, and not go outside the limits. And so during the qualifying, during the practice sessions, they had made FIA had made a ruling that said, if cars go off the track during these points, we are not counting their lap time. So we're not like we're, we're canceling that lap time. It doesn't count. So if you qualify faster and you have a faster speed or time, but you went off at turn four, sorry, you get whatever your next best time was. So, and who's, who's, uh, lap times kept getting deleted. Like who took forever to post? Didn't Valtteri take forever to post a lap time because he kept going off at four? Valtteri did. I know Perez got a few canceled. Uh, the majority of drivers were getting lap times deleted um, throughout those sessions. Max may have once or twice, but very few. He seemed to be one of the more in control uh, people going around the track. And so they had set a different standard between the practice and qualifying and the race. They had this rule about you can't go off the track or your times are deleted. They don't count. Uh, but during the race, they basically said, Hey, all's fair in love and more. Like if you, if you go off the track, like it is what it is. We're not going to be giving out penalties for exceeding track limits at turn four during the race. Right. So then the argument for that is, is so if you're allowed to race off limits at turn four, why aren't you allowed to pass off limits at turn four? And so the thought process with that is another rule that's in F1 that the rule is that you cannot gain a lasting advantage by going off track, which passing while you're off the track would be considered doing that. However, by not using the track limits or not following them at that turn, teams who were doing that were saving an average of two tenths of a second per lap. Right. I would say is a lasting advantage. And in my opinion, what is the point of having track limits if you don't require the drivers to follow them? Like if you're just like, Hey, like you could just drive over anything like, Oh, it is what it is. Well, like then what's the point of having like a set track set boundaries set, whatever. I think that's a, um, just kind of very gray zone of a rule. It is. But what I've understood is that the tracks that the F1 cars race on are borderline too small and tight. Some of the turns for the speeds of the F1 vehicles. 
then they should drive slightly slower so they can brake more easily and stay inside track limits. I mean, sure. That, no, that's, I'm with that's you. my I'm only, that's my only thing I could say. Like, I mean, they, they should know what turns they can go flat out pedal to the ground on and what turns they can't. At a certain point though, you can squeeze your hips in as much as you want, but like fam, you're not fitting in those jeans. <laughs> I think to some extent, yes, which, but they've, they've made changes to different tracks over time as well. They've like, so now maybe turn four is something that they look at. Maybe. And I wouldn't be opposed to them expanding the track there, but, but for, for the time being be consistent. Yeah. And I think that's, that's my biggest issue because okay. Max throughout the race stayed inside the track boundaries. He, he spent that whole race. Other than passing Lewis, he was staying inside the, the boundaries. Right. Lewis went outside of the track limits on turn four 29 times during the race. And so, so 29 at, times, yeah, 0.2 seconds, that's five seconds worth of, of uh, faster times. Right. So he gains five seconds. But Max, who is catching him, gains 0.2 seconds and is either penalized if he doesn't give up the place or has to give the place back. Now, what about, what about like Lewis? Did, did Lewis push him off? Like, I mean, get out of here. I don't think so. Um, it wasn't, I. it wasn't like an Albon situation where he, he forced him out and, uh, right and Albon didn't budge. I think he had the racing line and Max was trying to take the outside line and just ran out of space. Um, so he didn't actively like change his course to, to kind of force Max off. But I just find it frustrating that there, it was very unclear. The rules changed with, with how they were handling things between qualifying practices and the actual race, which is like, about 24 hours right less than yeah. 24 hours and a little less other, than 24 hours. yeah a little less and the other thing that really bothers me about it is there was a time where bono came on the radio to lewis late in the race and said lewis you have to start staying inside the track limits the next time you do it you're going to get a five second penalty and at that point, he had already gone off the track 29 times. It doesn't right. take that many times for them to say, like, oh, track limits, you get a penalty in any other scenario where they're monitoring that. So why are is the FIA talking to Mercedes and him them coming across the radio to tell Lewis that during the race, which Lewis was visibly upset about on the team radio. Like, why are they doing this now? I've been doing it all race kind of thing. Right. So not only did they change the rules between qualifying and practices and the actual race, but they also were making comments on it during the race. And then Michael Massey, the FIA director, came out and said, no, no, we were consistent with the rules. During the, the rules didn't change mid-race. Sorry, homie. Like, it's pretty clear that, that they did. Um, and so that's where I think I'm upset. I think Lewis 
performed really well. I'm not saying he didn't deserve the win or anything. He put up a really good defense against Max coming on strong at the end and really raced hard. Um, and Mercedes had a really solid strategy that led to them having that lead mm-hmm. at the end that Max was trying to make up. Um, but I don't like any sport being decided essentially based on officiating. I don't think that referees in basketball should be calling stuff that makes a huge difference at the end of a game or, or making like a bad call at the end of any sporting event. It, can be detrimental to the integrity of the sport and to to the way people look at the officiating. If the people, refs are allowed to king make, essentially, yeah, people are people are going to be looking at this. And now for the rest of the season, I guarantee there is going to be a Hawkeye looking at these officiating things to be like, oh, is are is the FIA giving this person an unfair advantage? Are they making rules unfair? Are they this and that? Right. Like there's already enough of that when there is some sort of controversy, like with the pink Mercedes, uh, the racing point car, how they were still allowed to use the illegal brake, the mm-hmm. brake ducts that were deemed illegal. Um, they were still allowed to race with them for the rest of the season, which a lot of teams disagreed with and thought was sketchy. Like when there's already controversial things like that going on, adding them by just not being consistent with your rulings just makes it look bad. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's like flip floppy. It's wishy washy. Um, It looks as though you're playing favorites, catering to one team. And that's not a good look. And like you said, yeah, it does start to, it does start to be an indictment on the the sport as a whole if the officiating is sour, as it were. Yeah. And I would I would be saying the same thing if it was the other way around. Like I'm a Red Bull fan, but like if Max had been doing that and then Lewis and that happened to Lewis, I'd be like, that's sketchy. Like right, <laughs> right. Just- you, you don't want anybody to be winning on. Um, uh, gray terms. Yeah, I want I want people who are winning to be able to like take that win and be like, I deserve this. And right. It's hard to say that when sketchy officiating comes into comes into play. 100%. So I'm hoping that going forward in the season, we don't have any other controversies, and we get to see a lot more good battles between Max and Lewis, and like Red Bull and Mercedes, and have a a title fight um, throughout the season. Uh, So I'm just crossing my fingers that we don't have any other um, significant things like this that come up. And it's tough that it's the first race of the season. So, But if this first race of the season is indicative of what the kinds of battles we may have uh, later down the line, I'm very excited to see, you know, what the season holds, uh, you know, first moving down the line. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, And I'm a hundred percent looking forward to it um, because competitive F1 is fun. Like I like seeing people race and, 
Felt a little bad. We, You and I talked about it during the bonus episode. I felt a little bad for Valtteri because he kind of got uh, got knocked out of any sort of contention by a bad pit stop. By the pit, yeah. That was about eight seconds too long. Um, but he, he still would have been five seconds back from Max, which is not super close right so i don't know i i'm i'm it's tough because valtteri i know he wants to get that title but just off this initial race it looks like it's going to be a max and lewis show Uh, so i i'm interested to see how he bounces back and kind of uh performs as the the season goes on as well see if he can try and contend for that title because I know he really wants it. We saw him talking about it naked in a sauna on Drive to Survive. Yeah, this is true. Hopefully the hopefully the vehicle becomes more and more honed into what he needs as a driver and is able to put up better a better performance on the track and get closer to Max and Lewis. Cause yeah, you're right. I think the the championship this year will be pretty far out of his hands if he's five seconds back on max every time. Yeah. And it also will get far out of his hands if it's a Lewis max one, two for a lot of races, because that means his best option is third. And if his best option is third, he's going to be dropping behind those two very, very quickly. Right. Um, So much more quickly than last season when he was, just snagging up seconds and occasionally getting those those first place race wins and everything right so but we'll see it's going to be an exciting season i think the most disappointing thing is the fact that we have to wait three weeks until the next race i thought it was only two weeks to imola it is the weekend of the 17th Oh, well, three so, weekends, so like two and a half weeks. This from week, now. gotcha, gotcha. Or gotcha, like, okay, al- almost two weeks from now, it will be the start of practice sessions for, uh, for it. But right, well, that's but, not yeah. terrible. We have it all year, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a full time fan now. You know, I'm not coming in halfway through, so. You know, even though it's a little bit of a wait, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be exciting every time. I believe that. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh lots of good team radios also and things out there that the the F one content team puts a lot of good stuff out there on the uh on their YouTube channel. So I'd recommend if you are interested in seeing some more of that behind the scenes and what's going on during races and whatnot, peep that. because uh, they've got a lot of good stuff to help you learn a little bit more and uh, have some fun watching F1. So my two favorite, my two favorite radio messages were, and this is kind of like the camaraderie that builds on a team and like that synergy that you get was where uh, whoever Max's engineer said like, you know, X amount of seconds to Lewis, I'll leave you to it. If you need anything, like we're right here kind of thing. And then Max was like radio silent. I was like, that's a fucking like badass right there. So that was sick. And then also towards the end of the board 
when um I guess I guess it's Bono who's Lewis's engineer. <laughs> yeah. So when when Bono said whatever the fuck, and then and then Lewis, Lewis is like, leave me alone, Bono. Yeah, just leave me to <laughs> it, man. He's like, ooh, hey. It cracks me up because Lewis gets so testy on the radio, and then as soon as he wins the race, he's like, "Thank you, everyone. Right. I love you all." Like, right. it's a fucking Grammy speech. Like, oh, besties, like, praise God. Like, thank my family. Like, you guys, you guys deserve it so much. Like the little the little queefs in the factory. I love you. It's just it's like just, Jesus, man. It's so funny how his tone immediately shifts. He'll be like, "My tires are gone. My tires are gone. Love you, bestie." Like, right, right, right. right. <laughs> it just cracks me up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be going to be a good season. So I agree. I'm very, I agree. Very excited about it. Um, I think Max is going to have a, a little chip on his shoulder going forward in the season to kind of just try and run run some people down and and beat up on them a little. So well, it looks like Max has the best chance that he's ever had. The Red Bull that he has under him, the RB, whatever the fuck, um, looks pretty RB fucking 16. quick. Yeah, that's my robot's name. RB sixteen. Yeah. My favorite uh, restaurant is Arby's, so. It's... Damn, bro. Taco Bell and Arby's. That's why you got to go to a shrink, man, because you <laughs> eat, like, garbage. I don't normally eat, like, I've been much better. I don't eat too much fast food nowadays, but I was feeling lazy today and didn't want to. I didn't want to hold up the show. The show must go on, even the though show I must got go stuck on. at work late, so. Fair enough, dude. I I respect it. You're you're taking one for the team. The you're you're undertaking that damage to your body to uh you know to get the pod rolling. I appreciate that. Exactly. Like it's the sacrifices. I would have no reason to like work out and like get after it at the gym if I didn't first like eat crappy foods to put me in a, a place where i needed to go to the gym no that's true yeah that's true so it's uh it's just extra motivation really right <laughs> now no, you what you're saying is is you just really know how to self-motivate yeah I, right. well what i tell myself for going to the gym is that i go to the gym so i can eat and drink what i want so yeah no i respect that super healthy hell yeah <laughs> super healthy so like the rest of the week, it's going to be like chicken and broccoli and rice. Just like bland. Nothing. Meal prep, dude. No. Do you no. meal prep? I don't. I'm really mm. bad at meal prepping. Gotcha. I don't like eating the same thing every night. Yeah. It's not bad. It's definitely not bad. Just not for me. I sure. I would rather have a well, lot. Of what about like leftovers? Can you do it like two nights in a row? I could do two nights in a row, but I don't usually make leftovers. I'm I've gotten really good at cooking for one over the past few years, so it's like the loneliest thing ever said. That's not that lonely, bro. It's a fucking tough thing to do. I've gotten really good at cooking for one. No, cooking for one is so tough. Figuring out portions and stuff like that. So I've gotten good at it, and I just have my routine. I've got my veggies that I that I cook up. I've got my. uh, I've got my starches, my my steak, my chicken. I eat well, so there's no no complaints on my end that I'm cooking for one. Okay, I'm having steak three nights a week. Like, 
can't complain. Um, I'll just have you know that I'm a master in um, uh, deception detection. So, you know, you can say whatever you want, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know the truth. You see right I, through me. I my, see right through you. My thin veil of loneliness. It's fine. It is a thin veil of loneliness. But um, cooking for one. <laughs> I'm so good at cooking for one. Hey man, it, never need to cook for anybody else. It's a good skill. I know how to cook skill. for more people. It took me a little time to learn how to cook for one. Gotcha. Okay. It's a it's an art, my friend. Mm. Um, <laughs> I just but, always have mad people around, and like I just have friends and family who love me and want to be around. So I'm just like always cooking for more than one. So not all of us are are as blessed as you, Justin. Fucking hashtag. <laughs> Yes. But uh, but moving on from my crippling loneliness, we can move forward to Hello, uh, to darkness, some... my old friend. <laughs> we can move forward to the uh, the LCS matches from this weekend. Um, so to recap, the previous weekend we had uh, C nine win three to zero um, in their <laughs> matchup versus Hundred Thieves. Uh, and Team Liquid win three to one over TSM. So that pushed TSM into a uh, lower bracket versus EG, and then Hundred Thieves got pushed into the lower bracket in a series versus Dignitas. So starting, I guess, with the the TSM EG series. Um, what were your thoughts? That I wish. EG uh, ended their misery sooner. It was a sloppy series, mm -hmm. to say the least, which didn't make me feel good about TSM's performance, but I felt like EG, yeah, they kind of dragged it out a bit, a bit more. <laughs> um. But I mean, it was it was kind of weird how how stompy the first two games were for both um, sides. Like each team took a board, and then it was just downhill from there for TSM. Yeah, it was it was weird how stompy it got so quickly. Um, I mean, in game one, Lost really like popped off, took the cake with his Zaya performance. He looked really really good. Yeah. Um, and then bouncing back in game two, I, I was happy that evil geniuses did bounce back so strongly because they gave up a relatively similar comp to TSM and played much, much better. Um, that Lilia pick though is just so boomer bust for mm -hmm. the jungle. Like, right. I mean, and we've talked about it before, but like game one, Sven Skarin went two, six, and three on the Lilia. Game two, he goes five, oh, and 13. It's like, it's just so snowbally. It's snowbally, or you're just hopping in, spinning around, and being a meat shield for the squad, trying to hit a big sleep. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I just don't know how I feel about it. Um, it was also interesting to me that Jazuke was pulling out the Nico 
that the Nico Lilia combo is is pretty interesting to see. Um, being able to hit like the sleeps and then Nico come in with her ultimate to just lock down people even more and deal some some solid damage. It's- and it seems like um sorry to cut you off. It seems like Jazuke has some serious skill on the champion too. Um, so it's obvious that that's like a pretty big boon for the team when they're able to pick that up. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, you're right. The synergy between Nico and Lilia is, you know, it's obvious. It definitely is. And I think it's interesting as well because Jizuke, I'm so used to him playing these kind of crazy aggressive champions. I mean, he played Yon in game one and three, um, which is very aggressive as well and i'm used to that style and the nico really isn't anywhere close to that well you're still diving in and hitting r you are but you have a lot of poke damage you're like with yon or yasuo or echo like you have to be all in your face like going after it like to put out damn echo a little less because he has his q but it yeah like the the nico you can sit back you can hit your snare throw your cue on top of them and just kind of chill and poke a, a decent bit more um you do have to go in for the ult but that's not as substantial i think in in terms of it from what i'm used to saying but i i'm kind of glad that he's been able to shift over to some of those more control magey champions i think he needed that in his repertoire well it's not that he needs it in the repertoire it's that the team needs it in his repertoire you know no yeah. mid laner is just a mid laner they're the mid laner sitting in the center of a board they're surrounded by four other players and they have to be a rock right you know well and I think he also needed it because if he couldn't figure it out, he was just going to get cut by teams. Sure. Um, like, sure. I think it definitely is a, a huge help to the team, but I was, yeah, I was happy to see that. I think, um, pretty disappointed by Hooney during the series, even though TSM won. I just didn't think he looked that good. He kind of, his picks, like the the top lane Nocturne, I'm not really sold on. No. And I, I'm just not sure how I felt about it. He got, and, and the two, so he played top lane Camille in two games. He played top lane Nocturne in two games. And the Camille games, he didn't really do a ton. The rest of the team kind of carried mm-hmm. the, the one game they lost and he kind of got stomped a little bit. And so I wasn't really, I just haven't been really impressed with him during the season. He he has his moments, but it's the consistency that is an issue. And I think that is going to be a challenge for TSM going forward in these playoffs and through the rest of the season. Like, they they need him to be performing at the high level that he's capable of more consistently. Um, otherwise, I don't see them winning this uh, gauntlet run. 
Yeah, or the lower season. bracket run. Lower bracket run. I'm. I keep trying to think of what they're actually calling this. The the spring showdown. I think is is the yeah. thing they're calling it. Um, but yeah, I could very easily in my mind see them struggling in their next matchup against the winner of the other series, uh, Hundred Thieves. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think with that. Hundred Thieves didn't necessarily look. It's tough. It's hard to say they didn't look good, but like Dignitas looked really not good throughout that series. Like they they didn't look, and their their picks just didn't seem to be quite with the meta either right well i think they're i think saligo was trying to be saligo was trying to be a half step ahead of the meta with the re pick and the um what else did he play the fucking ari ari ariana gotcha oh that's right the he double tapped ari yeah like yep. there are there are Korean solo queue players that have been picking up Ari with some of the recent item changes. Mm. And it seems like he was trying to say like, oh, this is a really strong pick right now. Let me get that triple dash and just style on him. Um, but yeah, Ryoma just wasn't the one. Yeah, and Ryoma played really well, which was good Good to see. Um FBI looked solid throughout the series. Like no one on hundred thieves looked bad. In my opinion, I just can't bring myself to say hundred thieves looked really good because of how poorly I think Dignitas did. Um, like the rest of Dignitas's picks, they, I mean, picking the, the Volibear, um, week, I think, didn't like that pick at all. Um, well, they're they're thinking like, oh, isn't it similar to the Udia where he just runs at you, but he's not as fast, is he? He's not as fast. He, I don't think he does as much damage. I, I just think that he is a weaker version. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they went back to the Udir the next two games, but like that fake god being on the uh, the gangplank in. Two of the games, I think he into the team comps that Hundred Thieves were playing. I don't like that pick. Right, um, there's just too much CC, and I know Gl- Gangplank has the escape, but he only has he, one. Well, he has he has the orange. He doesn't even have a dash or anything to get right. Away. Like when you have Nar hopping over minions and jumping on you to slam you into a wall. Then you have a Hecarim following that up or an Alistar uh, headbutt pulverizing you. Like, it's tough. And in game one and two, he's against Nar and Hecarim and then who he's playing, Alistar and Rel. Two more champions with solid CC. And these yeah. CC champions are really, really strong right now. So, like, 
you really have to go for champions like he went for in game three with the Renekton or with the Gragas or right. like I, the Gangplank pick can be so strong late game. But if you can't get there. Yeah, I don't think boards are going that late that Gangplank is actually a solid pick. I think it's something that top laners just have left over and games just aren't going that long. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to see the Aatrox. The sure. Aatrox was something that's Aatrox been... has way more dueling potential, way more, you know, it can side lane easily. It's been picked up throughout, like, these, these matchups. I mean, it is not a counter to NAR, but it it plays works. well into it, it doesn't plays, it? It plays well into it. Yeah, definitely. It's it I would say more of a skill matchup. Um the Camille, like I mean you see we saw Camille in I think three of the four games in the TSM series. Yeah, Camille's really way. strong. Now with the Udier pick, like it seems like they it seems like Hundred Thieves was just letting it through in the sense of like they're not really worried about it anymore. Olaf is the better half of that coin. Mm. And there are champions that are just doing Udier better. It's it's almost like uh Yeah, it's almost like Dig was stuck in the past with half of their meta and like trying to reach for the future with the other half of their meta. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think Udir's a bad jungler right now. I, I neither by, do I. I don't think he is. I think he's a step below some of the other junglers. Specifically, yeah, he's like, like he's like B tier right now. Yeah, specifically like the Hecarim. If you can get a lead on Lilia, it's stronger. Yeah, uh, like there are other picks that I think just work a bit better. Um, but I don't by any means think that it's a bad pick. Um, but yeah, they they just didn't look very cohesive and the games got pretty stompy. I mean, game one was the closest and the final kill totals was 24 to 12. That was the closest game on of the series. Right. So that's still a pretty, pretty big disparity um in that matchup and then and it's pretty bloody too isn't it very yeah um, and all the games were bloody at least on the 100 thieves side <laughs> right a lot of kills um uh, 24 20 and 22 kills total for murderous yeah. absolutely murderous but that sets us up for an interesting uh interesting matchup this coming weekend we've got uh the TSM hundred thieves on Sunday. And so I'm curious to see what are, well, I guess first we can look at Saturday's matchup, the cloud nine liquid curious to to see what your thoughts are on that and uh, who you think is going to, to most likely move on to, to the finals of this spring showdown. I'm going to say cloud nine, three, two, and the matchup that I'm really going to be looking at is the Perks versus Jensen matchup in the mid lane. Um, I'm hoping to see some exciting picks out of them and or some picks that are um, crowd favorites. You know, I'd love to see them. I'd love to see them like do um some like 
vice versas in the mid lane, like like an Oriana versus Yone, and then give the Yone back, and then I'll play Oriana. Like I I, I enjoy seeing those. Um, not that that not that they're like known for doing that or whatever, but um, I'm just looking forward to seeing the mid lane matchup between because Jensen, incredible mid laner, Perks, incredible mid laner as well. Um, mm-hmm. And overall, I think it's going to be a series that delivers maybe above or at a level that the other ones in this little playoff run have yet previously. I, I definitely agree. I think my my key matchup is uh, Blabber Santorin um, because I really want to see um, how both those junglers perform just in general. Cause I think they're, they're both really, really solid, probably in my opinion, top two junglers in the league. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be a really competitive matchup. I'm curious to see what they end up playing. I'm hoping we get to see some good hacker some good Olaf games. Um, but I, I think I'm looking forward to that a little more. Cause I think the mid lane matchup, I, feel as though it's going to end up being a lot of control mages. Um, sure. Wouldn't be surprised but to see. But they're playing currently at a level above some of the other mid laners. And so even if it is like Oriana Singer matchups, mm. the, it, you're, you're still going to see something exciting because they're going to oh, yeah. wield it's... them differently than like a Jizuke. Yeah, or it's, a not gonna be, it's not going to be boring to watch them for sure. Um, I would like to see the Azir come back a little bit. I like uh seeing them on the sharima shuffle it changes the game big time it's a it's a big time ulti so i think that's going to be fun i personally think c9 is going to win 3-1 i think if it goes to a fifth game i don't necessarily think c9 is going to win um they struggle really hard in game fives and that's concerning to me so I'm hoping that they tie it up with a bow nice and early. Haven't they previously reverse swept? They have, but with the recent uh recent way their their best of fives have gone, it it doesn't usually go well for them in game fives. Mm, okay. Uh, especially up against Team Liquid. There's the fateful Jensen not using his Echo Ult uh against right. TSM years ago. Right. It's been it's been a little while since they've um, done some consistent uh, some consistent reverse sweeping. So I would yeah, we'll uh, see. We'll see. I would like to avoid that personally, but I think it's going to be a good match. Um, well, I'm just I'm just being a riot caster. I'm just saying like. Uh, Bring on the silver scrapes. Let's see all five games. I just want to see all the magic. Yeah, that's give fair. it to him, Captain Flowers. <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah. Um, I guess going into the other matchup, the the teams that we were just talking about who played this weekend, TSM versus Hundred Thieves. Um, what's your expectation of that? My expectation is that we're caught in a time loop and no matter what happened during this regular split, 
it's still going to be TSIM versus Cloud9 in the finals, and <laughs> something ridiculous is going to happen during the series where 100 Thieves just falls apart. They don't look they don't look like a team. TSM 3 ones them, and then, whoop, there it is, Cloud9 versus TSM miraculously in the finals, just so Perks can just smack that Reginald ass up and down that battlefield, yo. I would not complain about that just because I feel like uh, G2 Carlos is going to get in on the fun because he mm -hmm. loves poking fun at Reggie. Yeah. And boy, do I love the Twitter drama. So it's always fun to see teams uh, kind of go at it on social media, in my opinion. I find that very entertaining. So Yeah. Um, but I think... For me, based on consistency, 100 Thieves has looked better. Um, but I really wouldn't be shocked to see that either. I think based that's on... going to be a more competitive series. Yeah, I think um, I think it's going to be a little bit closer in in skill level. But based on what we saw from based on what we saw from the 100 Thieves set earlier, I'm hoping just as a tsm fan just like like legacy fan kind of thing i'm hoping that they're able going to be able to capitalize on the scrappiness maybe it gets a little bit solo queue and um hopefully just some better mechanics better um some better play will help them bring it out because the hundred thieves get match was pretty messy so we'll see um we'll see you can come out on top but yeah i think it's just going to be another tsm cloud nine final weirdly enough well if tsm does win uh they still are going to have the matchup against the loser of of liquid cloud nine first so they're gonna have to run through well dude that's what i'm saying if they win here you know it's like inevitable they're yeah. gonna just play zillion just all 10 games or whatever it was funny the um the casters talking about power of evil they're like i think at one point maybe it was kobe called him the the reincarnation of bjergsen for tsm like carrying the team kind of thing no and i was like bjergsen's not dead <laughs> Dude, and tired. even like he's not even a player similar to Bjergsen. Bjergsen was so much better than everybody else in North America. Pa like Power is just middling, honestly. He's just middling. It was, I think, when he was playing the Syndra in one of the games, he was just like popping off and like making plays. And I oh, sure, and yeah, Bjergsen's known for the Syndra and whatever. Yeah, and but I dude, think Bjergsen was so much fucking better than everybody. He was. He was definitely a top mid laner. Like it was always a like, can anyone match up to Bjergsen for best mid laner in NA? It was like, and the only person can Jensen was do it. Can, yeah. yeah. Uh, can Niski do it? Can and it was just Jensen was the only one who was competitive with it. Niski wasn't bad, but you wouldn't. I would never have said he was playing like he was better than Bjergsen during his time in NA. Right. So, even was, if the team was, was doing much better, right? Like, Bjergsen still is the uh, the, the goat. Yeah. Yeah. So. Bjergsen, uh, 
Not dead yet. Not dead. Not I, dead yet. It was weird them saying reincarnation because I my immediate. He's literally like, still affiliated with the team. Yeah, it's he's like, literally what? the coach. <laughs> like he's. I was. It reminded me of it's always sunny in Philadelphia when they're doing the. There's an episode where they are trying to drink as many beers as this baseball player Wade Boggs, and they're like. Wade Boggs would be rolling in his grave, and then someone's like, "He's not dead!" Like, <laughs> oh hell yeah, that's just what it reminded me of, and I was, I was like, "This is, this is ridiculous." So, not even dead, that's fine. But that's, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be some good matchups coming up. Uh, very interested to see the TSM hundred thieves uh, and, and see how they perform after two series that well, TSM series being a little sloppy on both sides and, and the hundred thieves just not really being challenged by Dignitas. It didn't right. really show, I think a good image of where they're actually at um, mm-hmm. to be able to, to gauge how they're going to do. So should be an interesting weekend. And we'll be able to totally focus on that and, um, you know, not be so distracted by F1. Definitely. More time to check that out. Uh, but, yeah, uh, anything else, I guess, that we want to touch on before moving to the magic hour? No, I think anything else that I would be saying is just purely memes and just, like, making fun of players at this point. I think uh, proper analysis would be out the window at this point. Yeah, we don't want you to bully bully people online yeah i don't want to bully anybody like don't you know i used to be gold too like i i can have an opinion on these things exactly same i peaked at gold one promos to plat and just failed yeah and also operable term used to be yeah very very operable yeah yeah that's it that's why I need to start just giving Valorant commentary because I'm a solid uh, iron in Valorant. Well, dude, you could be you could be the the uh, the authority on Warzone, bro. My my man is what are you diamond? Yeah, like diamond one, son. Damn, it makes me feel good that I'm decent at a video game. Diamonds are made in pre- under pressure, bro. Very fair. I think I would get better at Valorant if I actually played more. Well, I right. mean, that makes sense, but I still have fun with it. Um, it's enjoyable until I get weirdos on my team who decide to bully me. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a breeding ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a breeding ground in a sense that they're all fucking babies because they're Weebs. children. Mm-hmm. No, they're just... Furries. Well, I'm... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was interesting. So good. Some of the weirder things. I'm very glad that uh said person did not try and message me. Well, that's good. Yeah. She's she's a she's a, she's a, she, she yep, that was a good one. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I can tell you're uncomfortable, so Hell I wanted yeah. to push it a little bit further. Um, but getting evil. into the magic hour. Yeah. Um, do you want to do, do you want to do the deck tech first or talk about the box first? Let's do the deck tech second. Okay. So I'll talk about the box. So got 
I got my uh, my magic box. We were, I was sitting there. I texted Justin. I'm like, I'm annoyed, man. My my USPS hasn't updated. I have no idea where this package is. It's been ten days. Like, what is going on? And he's like, Nah, it'll it'll just show up on your doorstep. And so it goes from being in on the other side of the country, and then I just went to check where it was at and it said delivered the following day. So oh, yeah. got to go through. Um Justin and I sat on Discord here and uh talked about all the card pulls and everything. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot and I, I felt like I actually legitimately learned uh a decent bit about magic and kind of some of the cards going through it. Um got some pretty good pulls. It was not as lucrative money-wise as I had hoped initially. Right. But at the same time, I can't really complain. It was a... Uh, I, I knew it was going to be a gamble going into it, and I wanted to see kind of what it was like. So still probably will maybe buy a box later on here or there if there's good uh, good decks coming out, but I don't know if I'll be doing it like every time. Right. So. Yeah, and especially especially being that a lot of sets are standard releases, um, it's not every time that you're going to get this. Uh, I would say more of a special set, honestly, where you're getting access to you know older cards and then like modern cards printed with that new border. Because um, I know where, because I know that's where a, some some of your value came from was the the time shifted the time shifted cards and some excuse me and some of the time shifted foil cards that you had gotten yeah definitely that was a a bigger part of it um the foil cards were really cool though it was fun even the the ones that were like not worth much at all were still like pretty dope looking and i also just really enjoyed going through the art it made it difficult for me going through because i'm like pulling cards i'm like yo this looks really cool and it's worth like two cents right I'm like <laughs> i'm like oh okay um but yeah very cool um i really i enjoyed that a lot and definitely plan to do that again um i'm also going to i, I pulled some good cards for you which is definitely cool got you your packs amazing so, uh got you a summoner's pact and a pact of negation um so you can add those into your decks hopefully those will um help you perform even better in the the commander nine league well and to be fair one of the other cards i'm really excited for is the zealous conscripts which mm. is the you know one half of the kiki jiki combo mm. and I have Kiki Jiki in my like two player cube that me and Sarah have. Uh, we put it together together. Um, and I have Kiki Jiki plus a um, plus another untapper. Uh, but Zealous Conscripts is one of the uh, one of the big ones. So I think that's going to be really fun to be able to find a slot for that in the cube. Just don't bully Sarah with that. Co that Dude, combo. believe it or not, believe it or not, Sarah beats me more in Magic when we play than I win against her. Really? I I, I, I firmly believe that. I think it's like 60-40 in her favor. Pretty close, but... Yeah. 
Yeah, but that's she, cool. Though. She 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 beats me a good amount. That's cool that she's uh she's gotten into it because she didn't. I'm assuming play before she. No, met no. We, I it was a um it was a slow draw me getting her into it, but uh we were very careful with it, so it went well. That's awesome. Some some rocky times, but I think that was more related to like extenuating circumstances, like in the environment, and it just that like competition then like wasn't that cool um but once we figured all that out now we just have fun playing magic she has a couple of her own decks which is fun um so yeah very fun so uh so yeah i get to i'll be dropping off your your fresh new cards with you this uh this sunday i'm so excited so you can you can bully uh bully brett and ian and i mainly want to bully ian just beat up on them in the league mm-hmm. so yeah it's gonna be me at the top of the leaderboard this time hell yeah i'm yeah I'm gonna but, counter um, everything but yeah i mean overall i it was a good experience for me nonetheless even with the uh the minor issues i'm probably with some of the cards that i was unable to to sell back i'm gonna if i don't find a place to sell them or or keep on top of card kingdom to see if they pick up more copies here and there i may look to put together some semblance of something with the uh, with the cards so put together a commander deck man come and play with us we need we need players i have enough cards for it fungus bro fungus (laughs) tribal let's see it there were so many fungus cards in this pack and it was hilarious honestly it's either that or slivers or you know yeah which i i do have a a fair share of slivers so a good number of slivers yeah but yeah i hope you uh i hope you get into it you'll be shuffling through them and you'll be like yeah i could play with these this sounds fun i mean even going through the cards as i was opening the packs i could tell that there's some decent playability with like how they work together it was nice oh, yeah. that the the deck itself kind of had a a pretty solid theme for the most part kind of going through yeah so, and i remember on the call we were talking about limited and like the draft and sealed formats and learning like a little more about what that was yeah so i have uh i have some stuff that i can work with so we'll see if i do that um justin is really pushing to to try and hook me so we'll see how that goes. But uh, if I do decide to to put something together, you all will be the first to know. Well, second first to know. to know. I'll tell Justin first, and then you guys will be the second to know. But it Hell doesn't yeah. sound as cool to say second to know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I was going to say, we could uh, get into the, the deck tech, start talking about that, unless there was anything else that you uh, want to touch on or were excited about with the uh, – with the unboxing, I had, well, had fun. The the pact of negation was serendipitous. That was amazing. We were not um, expecting that. Well, you kind expecting of were. it, but I was hoping for it big time. And so in that, what I thought was hilarious was I was able to just like live vicariously through you. And when you said like, oh, but you get first dibs, obviously, like that tickled me so pink because like <laughs> I really did. I lit- you named a card and I could just say, yeah, put it on my pile, put it on my pile. It was like I was just shopping like it, yeah. was, it was it was actually <laughs> sick. Um, 
And then when you had the like, <gasps> and I was like, what? And you were like, I was like, yo, dude, that's so insane. Because like, that's of any of the cards in the set, of any of the cards in the set, that was the one that I saw that I was like, that I would love. Yeah. Well, and they don't I pulled, reprint cards like that all the time. I pulled two of the three cards that you were hoping during and, it. And even the the one that you didn't was marginal. Like I was way more excited about the two packs. Like those are very cool. Like getting to do stuff for free in Commander is so busted. You have no idea. It's so busted. You have no idea. Um. So getting and and those are the two good ones. The green one and the blue one. And then black is marginal, red is like meh, and white is meh too. The green, okay, so think about this. So the blue says counter target spell for free. The red one is make a 4-4 giant. Yeah, what? Yeah, (laughs) like that's the discrepancy between power levels like in the color pie. Like it's so bad. And white's probably like... You like creatures you control get plus one plus one until the end of turn for free or something dumb. It's like what the fuck. And so, pact negation is like one of the most playable counter spells ever. So when you say red or white, is it a white or red pact of negation? No, is it it's, the same? Like what are they called? So what I'm referring to is a cycle. So okay. there is a pact of in in each color. Gotcha. So, so blue, summoner's pact is green. Pact, pact of, negation of negation is blue. blue. So gotcha. it's like pact of the giant or like pact of something is the red one. Slaughter pact is the black one, which kills something for free. And then it's like pact of like your friends or whatever in white. <laughs> white white sucks it's so pact, bad pact of teletubbies and yeah pact of the teletubbies dude hell yeah <laughs> just child's play no but actually interestingly enough one of the um historically worst color combinations red white has gotten what looks to be some new love in the, in the new standard set some like pretty cool draw mechanics some like cool graveyard mechanics um so I actually think the new standard set's going to be pretty cool for that. But yeah, right now, white's just like fucking terrible in Commander. The best card that's white had, that white has had recently, is like Smothering Tithe. And like, Mangara's pretty good. But dude, yeah, white struggles hard. White struggles really hard. But then blue gets like fucking Hall Breacher. It's like, suck my ball. Like, come on. So unfair. It's so unfair. Like that, that yeah. Glad yeah, that they're... most of the cards I'm putting into my deck if I make one are white. <laughs> well well, that's what's funny about it. So right now, well, on Dominaria anyway, um, the funguses are like black green usually, but like the white fungus tribal is hilarious. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. And there were a lot of them. A lot, yeah. So what is it, like green-white? Like green-white fungus? Like green-white salad? Okay, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Damn, dude. But yeah, fun stuff, man. Mushrooms and lettuce, man. White needs some love. Yeah, Mm -hmm. not just fungus. No. But no, that that was all I wanted to say about the box was, yeah, it was just so sick to be able to, like, yeah, put that on my pile, put that on my pile. Got a couple of play sets of things, like... Honestly, one of the things I'm ha- most happy about is like Teleria West and the Chromatic Stars, the Grinning Ignis. I'm so excited for like that yeah. goes infinite with one of the new commanders. 
um, from Caldheim that I pulled. I, I did pull a second one. I didn't think you wanted a uh, second one. I, I, that was, I thought that's what you said, but yep. I was yeah. going back through. It's a great set. I was happy to live vicariously through you for a little while. That was yeah, fun. I had a blast. A hundred percent worth it in my opinion, even though I may not fully make my money back, but we'll see. All right. Uh, I'll just have to keep an eye out. See if, uh, if I find opportunities to sell some of the other cards. So. Oh, I'm sure you will. And like, I think maybe like building up a little bit of a collection. So maybe have you, you have more to sell at a time. Maybe go like eBay or TCG player, a mm-hmm. um, little bit of options. But before we get into the deck tech, um, so I don't like rush through it anyway. Um, if you would like to talk a little more about the box, I'm going to hit the bathroom real quick. Cool. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, so for, for everyone listening, going through the box, I got to pull 36 different packs, which was pretty cool. Um, it was pretty wild to go through with Justin. Excuse me, because um, I was able to watch... Or, or like name cards and then justin was instantly knowing like what they do where like whether they were something that would fit in his decks and everything it was kind of cool to see how knowledgeable he was about the cards as i was going through it um and so i found it very um like a very good learning experience to go through um, I got to learn about a lot of different interactive abilities with cards. Uh, for instance, the slivers, which were um, common cards throughout the box set. There's a lot of them. Uh, they kind of compound on each other, go together. It's like you play this card, um, and if you play another sliver, it gives any slivers on the battlefield certain abilities, whether it's haste, flanking, plus two health um or plus two defense plus one defense plus one attack like different things like that um so you get to see some of the interactivity of doing that um i guess looking at forward slightly at the ir deck um i think that's going to be interesting looking at because it is a, a mono black deck so it's going to be kind of cool seeing that comparatively to the other commander sets we've gone through that are um, multicolored uh, commanders and multicolored decks. So that's something that uh, that stood out initially to me as I'm kind of looking through these uh, through these cards that Justin has on the uh, the Archer deck. So. But yeah, I, I didn't have too much to say, Justin, about the box. So I thought I'd start just giving my initial uh, initial reactions to looking at the IR deck. Oh, that's okay. Can you hear me? Can you see me? I can hear you. Um, you're going to have to do the little tilty of the phone to flip it sideways. Yep, like that. Perfect. There we go. All right. So we've got the setup. So uh, as I was saying to the people, uh, a bit different with this with this deck, with your Commander Ayara being a uh, solo or, or being a like monochromatic deck. 
being just uh, only black. So. so previously we've gone through, I believe, um, a five-color deck and two monocolor decks, I think it's been so far. Or two, not monocolor, um, dual color. Yes, yeah. So Aara is, I think, the only monocolored commander that I have in my in my group of nine decks. But um, I think she's really fun, and the way she reads makes her super competitive for commander. Um, for two reasons, her ability says each opponent, and also she has the phrase "draw a card" on her. So I have a way from my command zone to always have access to card advantage, basically. So Aara, first of Lockthwain, says uh, black, black, black for a 2-3 legendary elf noble creature. It says whenever Aara or another black creature enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. And then tap, sack another black creature, draw a card. So the whole big strategy of the deck is to get black creatures to enter the battlefield with her on the field to drain my opponents and buff my life total and then using those little those creatures i generate to get me card advantage on the board as well with her tap ability and so it's now, interesting with her because she is a very low mana cost commander uh, to be able to get out onto the battlefield early. So you do actively have a lot of opportunities um, to utilize those abilities as you're playing um, to be able to, to continue to put down uh, creatures to hurt the opponent's life, gain more uh, for yourself. And so I'm curious, I guess, going into the other cards to see how those play into it because i'm assuming that that would mean you are going to be just trying to amass a lot of creatures on the battlefield through your other um spells and creature cards i'm guessing there's going to be a lot of uh, interactivity with that you got it so it's not all creatures that are going to be doing the creature generation though so one of my favorites and as you'll note this is the this is the secret lair art so this is bitter blossom so one in a black for an enchantment that says at the beginning of your upkeep you lose a life and create a one one black fairy rogue creature token with flying so every turn I'm getting a black creature that's hitting the battlefield, draining my opponents for one at consistent value where I'm not paying any more mana into it. Um, and then we have some other enchantments that are going to do it. So like Rite of Bells and Lock is going to put a total of five black creatures onto the battlefield. It's not a creature itself. It's another enchantment. But it's still going to be doing the thing that I want AR to be doing is draining my opponents for life when I play black creatures. Well, but, and, and so with Bitter Blossom, going back to that card, each each upkeep at the start of your turn, you're gaining a black fairy rogue creature. So you are losing a life, but because based on the like that enchantments, um, what it says on there. However. With Ayara, 
if you have her out, you are also gaining a life. So you're at even ground and then your opponents are losing a life every single turn because of those two cards. You got it. That's a, that's a nice little bit of value right there. Um, so a couple other key cards that are putting our, a bunch of our black bodies, Sengir Autocrat is going to make three surfs. We've got Empty the Pits, which is a big one. Put a bunch of zombies onto the battlefield. And there's a number of them. Aberrant Overlord is going to put a bunch of things onto the battlefield. And my favorite, Plague of Vermin. We'll talk about that later in the uh, kill, kill cards category. We'll put those three up here. So basically the idea is just like, just drain my opponents best I can. But what don't I care about? What don't I care about in this deck, Aaron? I don't care about the creatures that I make. I want them to mm. hit the battlefield with AR there, and that's all they're good for. It's a bunch of zero ones. It's a bunch of one ones. Fucking garbage is what they are. They're little trash harpies, little surfs, little zombies. <laughs> we don't You're need them. Just trying em. to make. Hey, I. There is something to be said about a million, a million rats. They right. can easily overpower something, but they like could. each individual rat is not strong. Exactly. What can we do, though? We can sack all those creatures to something like an Ashnod's Altar. We could sack them all to something like a Woe Strider. We could sack them all to something like a Viseraseer. And we're going to generate a bunch of value, a bunch of mana to put into a big outlet. So something like a big X spell that will help us drain our opponents. So Army of the Dam is going to put 13 black zombies onto the battlefield. Exsanguinate can just cause my opponents. Each opponent loses X life. Big amount of mana. I can just sink mana into it. So the idea is use all these tokens to help me generate big mana to just sink into these spells to kill people. Now, those are interactions of, you know, pieces on the board um, that are, I would say, a kill of like a thousand cuts, right? Mm. But how do we how do we set those up? We need we need access to we need access to cards and we need access to lands, right? Mm. So some of the best mana in the deck that I have is Dark Ritual. So you pay a black mana, add three to your mana pool. So effectively on turn one, I could have an AR on the battlefield. If I have a swamp in hand and Dark Ritual, play the swamp, tap it, cast Dark Ritual, make AR. Is that for so, one turn? That's for one, well, yeah, just one iteration of it. Um, where it's not, they're not being added to my battlefield, but I, it puts them into my mana pool to be used to cast spells. It's gotcha. um, effectively like fast mana. So that's a good accelerant. You have Songs of the Damned, which as I fill up my graveyard, sacking things and killing my own creatures, I'll be able to use this to generate lots of mana, sink it into something else. Now, three of the best lands in the deck... Crypt of Agadim says the same thing as songs, but I can repeat it. So add a black to your mana pool for each black creature in your graveyard. So the idea is fill up my graveyard, and this just becomes a monster. 
right? Gotcha. I have basic swamps on the battlefield, add black for each basic swamp you control. So once I get a bunch of my basic lands on the battlefield, this is going to tap for a whole lot more than the, than the three that I'm paying into it. Question and about board. that. So yeah, go for it. Swamps. I was under the impression that you can only have one of each card on in your commander deck. Well, except for the basic lands, yeah. Okay, so basic lands do ha- are treated differently. Okay. Right, right. Just making sure. Yep, you got it. And then my favorite land of all, Urborg term- Tomb of Yogmaw. So each land is a swamp in addition to its other types. So A, you can um, help turn some of those colorless lands and utility lands that I have. Um, it can make everything tap for... Uh, tap for a black mana, so that's really helpful. Um, as far as card advantage goes, we have a Skull Clamp, which basically kills the creature it's equipped to, but it draws me two cards. Best in the game, when everything's one toughness, I can just clamp through all my creatures and just draw so much of my library for very cheap. The equip cost is one. So one mana draw two, one mana draw two, one mana draw two over and over again. Skull Clamp, what you want to see now you said you can use that multiple times how does that work so let's say i have three serfs on the battlefield from the sanger autocrat plus a skull clamp right yep and i've got my i've got my three tokens they're all zero ones so that means they have one health right the skull clamp says equip creature gets plus one minus one Whenever a equipped creature dies, draw two cards. So I'll pay the equip cost to this guy. It dies. I draw two cards. So it's off the battlefield. Gotcha. If I have another mana, this isn't equipped to anything now because the thing it was equipped to died. So I'll pay ah, another I mana see. equipped to this one, draw another two cards. So it's just really limited by your mana pool as opposed to like for mana this, and creatures, sure. Well, but yeah, for this uh this play style, because of how many creatures you can potentially get onto the battlefield with Right, 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 right. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have like anywhere from nine to twenty little tokens on the battlefield at any one time. I'm gonna be able to draw like crazy. Or so she says, I gain a life too, right? Right. So I can play with something like Bolus of Citadel, where you may play the top card of your library. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to the mana cost rather than pay mana, right? And so I can just keep flipping off the top of my library, paying life. Well, if AR is out, the things that I'm making gain me life. So I pay mana, gain life, or pay life, gain life when the things enter the battlefield. So that's a way to just cycle through a lot of cards off the top of my library. Gotcha. Now, hopefully, by this point in the game, we've dealt a bunch of damage to my opponents, we've gained a bunch of life, hopefully we maybe even knocked somebody out, right? But the idea is that my life total is going to be higher than theirs. How do we end the game, right? How do we just say, I, I win now? you guys lose because that's that's what that's what commander's all about i assume that it's primarily from life drain but then yeah what are what are your big hitters that knock that out so i would like to first talk about this combo right here because it's it's new so garolf's messenger and yogmoth so the combination of these two cards 
Groff's messenger says, when he enters the battlefield, target opponent loses two life, and he has undying. When this creature dies, if it had a if it had no plus one plus one counters on it, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control with a plus one plus one counter on it. So you basically get to rebuy that effect at least twice, and then it's back in your graveyard because the second time it would have died with a plus one plus one counter. It's not going to come back again. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And but it does say target opponent loses two life when it enters the battlefield, right? So you could drain somebody for a couple of life. Cool. Now, Yogmoth says pay life, sack a creature, put a minus one, minus one counter on up to one target creature, and draw a card. Okay. So when you put a minus minus counter on a plus one, plus one counter, they negate each other. Thereby, the creature has no counters on it anymore. Okay, so what can you do? You pay life, sat Groff's messenger, and then a Yogmoth activated ability is going to go on the stack, where put a minus one, minus one counter on up to one target creature and draw a card. So that's on the stack. That's floating right there. But before that happens, Groff's messenger is going to trigger... Because it has Undying, it's going to get a plus one, plus one counter on it. Let's pretend I don't have anything. I don't have anything good. Here, hold on. Let's pretend this is a plus one, plus one counter on it. All, All right, right, cool. So that's here now. So now the tr this is going to resolve. Put a minus one, minus one counter on up to one target creature and draw a card. So I'm going to put the minus one, minus one counter on my messenger. That's going to... Remove the plus one, plus one counter. Okay, so now I'm going to draw a card. And then I'm going to pay life, sack another creature. This trigger is going to go on the sack. Groff's messenger is going to hit the battlefield again. Target opponent lose two life. He gets a plus one, plus one counter. Put a minus, minus one counter on target creature. And then I'll draw a card. Okay, cool. Pay life, sack a creature. Right? So now it's and it's just a never-ending loop. How many times can you do this, or is it just related to how much life you have? It's just related to basically how much life I have and how long it's going to take to drain the opponents gotcha. at two life at a shot. But if AR is on the battlefield, it'll be, it'll be one to everybody and then two to somebody else. But it doesn't take any mana to do. So I could be totally tapped out and do this even on somebody else's turn, right? Um, so that okay. will hopefully, if I have enough life, drain drain the uh, drain the table. So that's a combo right there. And then my favorite card in the deck because it's just a one shot. If I have more life, so plague of Ver if I have more life and AR is on the battlefield. So plague of vermin says six and a black, so seven mana. Six and a black. It says, starting with you, each player may pay any amount of life. Repeat this process until no one pays life. Each player puts a 1-1 one, one black rat creature token into play for each one life he or she paid this way. So the idea is, I'll pay my whole life pool as long, like, down to one, basically, to then drain everybody with the rats. So they're incentivized not to pay, right? Not to pay any life, but I'm incentivized to pay all of it to just drain the table when all the rats enter the battlefield. So that, if if it all resolves and all goes correctly, that's a one-shot kill for the whole table, which is always fun. <laughs> that has to be so frustrating. 
Oh, it is. And especially there's so many tutors in the deck. Like, I'll cast a demonic tutor and, like, uh, go search for a card. And they'll be like, oh, do you? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That is the card I'm getting. Love it. Yeah, it's good stuff. And then, on top of it, I would just like to shout out. I have all the uh, necessary tokens for the deck now, finally. I've got some fun zombies that Card Kingdom sent me. Um, so now anytime I have a token on the battlefield, I have the proper uh, imagery to represent it. Hey, if you need any more zombies, I got I pulled a couple. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, I'm sure you did. So, I got, I've got some tokens. <laughs> Inundated with cardboard now. Yep, I've got a nice, yeah, little, so... nice box. That is uh that is mono black Aara first of lock lane. Very cool. I like it. Um so do you have more than so Commander 9 is called Commander 9 because you each have nine decks, correct? Yeah. So or the yeah, you're like picking from nine decks. So is once we do nine deck techs, will you have? Do you have more than nine decks, at least personally, that you uh, that you go through, or how does that work? I have I have a lot put together. Yeah, okay, I have cool. about like thirty five commander decks put together. Oh, so we'll have time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can we can pretty much do as many as you want. No, I like this. This is a cool uh, a cool thing being able to go through. So. But yeah, those are those are all like all put together, all sleeved up. They have a strat. Like I could do this for I could do this thirty five times. Love it. <laughs> I have thirty. Yeah, I have thirty five commander decks, and like I constantly have have some brewing. Very cool. Yeah, man. I'm excited to keep going through and and checking out more. So. Yeah, dude. It's it's really fun. I'm excited to see your first commander deck, dude. Uh we'll see. We'll see. You haven't fully convinced me yet. We'll oh, I'll convince there. you. I'm sure you will, but uh, yeah, I, I guess that hits uh, kind of all the topics that are, do you have anything else that you were looking to go through? Locked no, I don't in? think so. No, no, that's it. Well, I'm like standing now. I'm mobile now. I know. But for a while I was locked in until I went to the bathroom. True. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll end on my, uh, my desk, my desk video. Cool. Well, um, everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of the tall and short of it. Uh, I really enjoyed this. This was a fun one to go through and, and hit all the topics excited for more F1 in the future. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at tall and short of one, the number one, we of course are on YouTube and anchor and Spotify. So you can find us there. Um, anything else, Justin want to take us out? Uh, yeah. Give me one second. Oh, wait. Cool. No, I, I just need the. To... Oops, I did the wrong thing. Let me scroll up. Uh, but yeah, I would just like to say uh, to anybody listening, hit the subscribe button, hit the like. It really helps out a new channel like us. Um, leave a leave a comment down below. Tell us what you think. Uh, but yeah, that's been another episode of the tall and short of it. Peace out, everybody. Bye, guys. Binge.